Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. And of course, I am your host, Rosalind Jordan Mills. Welcome to Rosalind's Corner. All right, everybody, you know I always I always do it. Uh, tonight is an open forum for everyone to just call in. Let's let's talk about current affairs. I know we're uh, having uh, Terrence Callaway come on. Hopefully, he'll be on here soon. Um, but you know what, we're going to continue the show because the topic is going to be, you know, just open. Uh, whatever you want to talk about, let's talk tonight, okay? Um, but as I always start, about T25CL, of course, we're a great innovative company. We're a global platform for pay-per-view distribution of independent artists has been established. And look, I, I invite you to go to our website at www. T25CL.com and call, you know, just listen to the great music of all those independent artists. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing how um, so many artists are out there looking for that special, you know, door to walk through to get their music, to get their talent uh, displayed for all the world to see. And you know what? T25CL, we're the avenue to help you get that done. Okay? All right. So tonight, of course, we're going to have an open line of, uh, you know, um, of course, um, topics to talk about. And we have uh, a few callers that's going to be calling in. But, of course, you know me, I like to, you know, start it out with uh, uh, the things that's going on within our community, within our cities, within our states, within our country, and there are a lot of things that's going on today that we, you know, would share or love to share uh, with everyone who comes on board, you know, and just say, hey, you know what, I got something I, I want to talk about. And it just um, amazes me, you know, how many people have so many things on their mind uh, that they want to talk about, want to share, get off their, you know, get off their chest. Um, and, you know, it just continues on, just continues on. So, look, I want you to call in at 724-444-7444, and let's just talk, okay? So now, um, but you know what I wanted to really um, cover was I think about the shows that I have done um, over the years. I, I did my first show back on uh, November 17th in 2012. And, you know, I've had so many great guests that came on the show, um, Bobby Jerome, um, topics like the future of independent music artists, uh, even the, the United We Stand recap, which, of course, 
That is still in the making and is coming along quite nicely, okay, I, I can say. But we've had such great guests as, as Calvin Keyes, uh, Ranzel Merritt. Um, I had Lenny Williams on my show. Uh, even my, 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 my friend, Ms. Barbara McGee, you know, she was on the line uh, on our show. Uh, Brenda Lee Leroy Wainwright. Uh, how about Jamal Seymour? He called me all the way from the East Coast where they're all buried in snow out there. But I, I think about all the shows that we've had on and all the great guests that we've had on our shows that took the time out to say, hey, you know what? I want to I wanna tell all the world about what I'm doing with my life. Uh, Norman Carter of the Delphonics, that was a phenomenal show. I mean, even when you talk about all the, the topics of, like, um, from Libby Halabi, uh, she was an activist for a nuclear energy. Um, you know, so the, 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 the topics are so broad, and we can get on here and just talk about anything just about that, that you know, we think is very vital and crucial and needs to be brought up and for the world to hear, okay? Uh, we've had even uh, Jesse Spinner, uh, big Jesse, uh, our line as well, sharing his, um, his thoughts really about what he is doing for the community. I mean, he was a founder of uh, the Guilty uh, Till Proven Innocent Project, and he was an educator, he was a coach, um, he was a professional athlete who, who, had, who had comp- competed all over the world, and but he also directed several uh, community reform uh, programs for at-risk uh, kids, for kids out there, uh, developing the social and economic pitfalls that come with the growth uh, out of South LA. He's talking about South Central. I mean, some of the toughest neighborhoods he went in to assist all those at-risk youth. There are so many more who uh, share in the um, the. Uh, the thoughts of trying to get their um, uh, ideas of what it takes to build a community. I even had uh, my friend uh, Orlando Johnson, uh, and he he was most uh, in a recent recent uh, political uh, experience. His most re- recent political experience. Sorry, I'm getting tongue tongue tied here. Uh, but he even ran for mayor uh, for the city of Oakland. Um, and he had a campaign manager, um, um, his name was Diane McClay, um, of the Green Party, but he was also the member, he was also a member of the Oakland Community Action Network, Green Party, an Oakland Green chapter. Uh, he was founder of No One is Better Than No One. So, you know, even with him, he's had great success in, you know, his adventures as well uh, in his life. You think about all those things that you know, independent people um, try to share um, for the community. Um, we go from politics all the way to entertainment where we have music. I mean, you had Fred Irons of the Funkalicious, okay? And he transports all the fun of the 70s and the 80s um, while, you know, delivering just an original song of the funk. And I mean, I, I looked at them and they get in, get in all the attire. They really get into the role of being that funkalicious type of you know uh, group band that um, just performs so greatly uh, throughout uh, the cities, throughout the states, all 
over, okay? And then you have, you know, different people who have been on my show. We've had uh, Quinn Harris. Quinn Harris was a uh, uh, Tavares. Um, and he, you know, was born in a family that was a strict disciplinarian, uh, his mother and his father. But, you know, he still was able to pro- um, progress in his music. I mean, even after all the, the struggles that he went through in his life, I mean, he was a military and, and everything that took place with his life, I mean, he was still able to come up out of the ranks and be a part of that fantabulous group, the Tavares. And then what about, this is another one, I, I really think about and cherish the uh, show that I have with this gentleman who was the president and founder of Black, Black Pyramid Entertainment. And that was none other than my friend Keg Johnson, who uh, passed on last year. Uh, but you know what? I had the great opportunity of being able to interview him and have him on the show, you know, to share his phenomenal uh, accomplishments with major, major artists. Did you know that he was actually the writer of? You got me going in circles. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> he wrote that song, okay? And he said, you know what? When I wrote that song. I just put it up. I just gave it to the group, and I never got any, um, you know, uh, any, um, you know, acknowledgement for writing that song. You know, and and his soul phenomenal, was so great. But he still went on to write for other great, well-known artists, as such as Whitney Houston. Uh, several, several, several that we could name, okay? I mean, it's just a great, great lineup. I've had 125 people uh, guests on my show. And you know what? It's been a wild, wild ride. And I just, I really thank God that he's been able to um, put me on to T25CL Entertainment because that's where it all began with T25CL uh, being a part of this family and and uh, and seeing seeing it grow, and we're continually growing as well, not only in our entertainment and music, but film, education, health and wellness. You know what? The list goes on, but we're going to continue to uh, build T25CL Entertainment along with our team, with our, our head of the helm, uh, none other than Andre Ward who is the CEO, and, of course, I am Rosalind. I am the musical director and principal as well. And you know what? It's got to continue on. It's got to continue on because we have great, great people on our team. So um, I think we have a call on here. I'm going to see who this is because we're going to just take it out because we got some stuff to cover. Who Orlando Johnson. Orlando Johnson from California. Hey, how great. you doing? I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. I'm, I was just going over, you know, the first of the year, I go over everything that, you know, that I've uh, accomplished and that we as Teachers 5 cl as a family have accomplished. And we think about all the phenomenal people that we've had on our show, Rodney Allen, Rippy, Sydney uh, Colston, uh, Lenny Williams, Ronnie Hudson, you know, Miles Grayson, Craig Johnson, Orrin Waters of the Waters, and Maxine and Julia Waters, who just got off tour with Neil Diamond. And, you know, such phenomenal people that we've had on our show. Jay Jackson, who does a tribute to Lou Rawls, great show he puts on. And these are people that we've had on our show 
that have been able to share their life stories, life histories, and of course their 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 uh, their take on what's going on with in our communities today. And that was one thing that I wanted to share is that we we always talk about. Um, you know, the community and how we can make it better and how we can make an impact that is positive and being those positive role models and those mentors for those young people coming up and then, you know, uh, being um, the individual that we need to be to not only our home, our community, our city, our state, our nation. And so, there are so many, so many topics that can be shared in this world today for people to be able to grasp or hold on and get some nuggets here and get some nuggets there that will allow them to grow in their um, humanitarianism and to continue to work, you know, not only on themselves, but on their families and, and for all those around them that they could, you know, reach out and touch somebody. I say that each one can reach one. So it's, uh, it's just a, a, um, a, a continued effort for everyone to just get, you know, hey, get out there and do your best in this life because, hey, life is too precious. Because, you know, tomorrow is not promised to no one. Uh, we live for today. That's why God calls it the present. The present. We are given this, we are given this present. You know, to wake up in the morning and not be on that cold slab because so many are and have been. So let me ask you this because, Orlando, you know what I talked earlier to you about this, and I know you have a lot that you want to share about the community, about what's going on um, in this world. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and have the platform and, and just, you know, speak on what you want to speak on regarding the current affairs. Yes, I was, uh, we were talking about uh, the presidential election race. And a lot of folks don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, how the voting process goes. So when a lot of people see a lot of these candidates winning in the poll, like Donald Trump, it all boils down to the delegates. So it's like which delegates, like Ohio and uh, New Hampshire, they're like one of the first states that starts off the votes, and they pretty much decide how the election is going to run. But their votes is behind closed doors. It's not like open to the public. And so that carries along to the rest of the country. So when a lot of folks see the media, the media was basically designed for the people. But as the media got more from the bias standpoint and went more commercialized, there's more of who can pick the high stories and who can say the most, most dirt. So when a lot of folks see a lot of these folks on TV, they forget about the grassroots folks who's running a grassroots campaign so when they go to the poll, they like, oh, I've seen his face on TV, so I'll vote for him. Maybe he got more money and statue. But that's not the case in all situations. So I want to share that to the community also. Mm. Well, you know, everything that's coming up today with uh, the voting and, and everything that's uh, being, trans, you know, brought up, I mean, what do you think about the, the, the politicians and everyone who was running on, on the mark on the, uh, on the ballot today? I mean, even uh, Mayor Bloomberg running independently, he says, you know, this is just uh, this is just a farce. Let me just throw my hat, hat in the ring, you know, because yeah. this is just crazy what's going on between the politics, um, you know, the politicians and the, um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, between the Republicans and the Democrats. 
And yeah. he said, you know what, just let me throw my hat in here, you know, as an independent because, you know, him and I, how many other million of people are just tired of this, this you know, this circus that's going on? Right, because I know, like, in Oakland, when I ran for mayor of Oakland, we had a new system called ranked choice votes. So the ranked choice votes, you had to pick one, two, or three. So in, in our case, if you're the top, if you're the number one candidate and there's four or five people in the candidate field, that means your votes get split to the third, the second, and the first candidate. So a lot of these candidates want to go independent. I'm a Green Party member, so they can be neutral and balanced. But in every city or most cities, you have at least about 30, 30% of the folks that pretty much makes the decision on who's going to be in office. So it's mainly selection, not election. So they select pretty much who they want, who's going to represent, and so forth. So the, with the, uh, the presidential race that's running on with Hillary Clinton and the other guy that's running against her, I think his name is Byron, I think, but he's just trying to appeal to the young folks. And the young folks is pretty much the new millennial boomers, the new techs, and they're pretty much making a decision on how the country should be ran in a new direction. But at the end of the day, it's the powers that be, and you can't change the system. You can just voice your opinion because it's a system that can't be changed. Yeah, and I think about the history of the right to vote. I mean, one of the most important rights that we as American citizens is the right to vote. And originally, even the Constitution, only only uh, white white men were able to vote. And they had to be over the age of twenty one. Um, and so, you know, this was just a, like, a, like a shameful injustice that had been, you know, just corrected through so many trials of, you know, and the errors that took place with the women having to say, you know what, I have the right to vote with the suffragettes, you know, and, and, and they had been corrected. And the voting rights had been, you know, extended several times over the course of, of you know, our history. So wow. today... Uh, citizens over the age of 18, um, you can't deny them the right to vote, regardless of, like they say, regardless of race, religion, sex, disability, or sexual orientation. Um, but however, now there are there is a state, um, uh, North Dakota, where the, where the citizens have uh, they they have to register to vote, and the laws regarding the registration um, uh, is provided for the state by by that state. So, you know, there's, it, it, from state to state, it, it varies. And that was another thing that I wanted you to share, you know, with you being in the political arena. Why is it so important, so important for candidates to win the Iowa caucus and the other one, which was um, uh, New Hampshire? New Hampshire, yes. Yeah. Why is yeah, that cause... so important with those two states? Because th- those is like one of those so-called founding original states. And see, it's a difference what a lot of folks don't understand is, is consensus and voting is, is, is two different things. So when the African-Americans and other races wasn't involved in the voting system, there was more consensus. It's like the Quakers. They have a great system as being consensus. So 
we'll all come together and we'll be like, okay, we think that such such should be the mayor. It didn't have nothing to do with votes. It had to do some with the consensus process. It's not a complicated process, but it's something that I advise everyone to learn on Google search and look up on it. So when the voting process in New Hampshire, 90, 90% of the people is white anyway. So when it comes to the color of, like, uh, Dr. Ben, it, it really doesn't matter about the color when you're up at the top. It's like who can write the right good policies and who can make the appeal to the, the American uh, audience, but it's, it's not a, a job. It's just elected position. You don't have to go to work. You just get paid just to show up, uh, like Obama in a sense. Uh, he he don't write a lot of his speeches. He writes some of his speeches, but majority of his speeches he don't write. So when a lot of people blame him on the speech he just made at the State Union and so forth, someone else wrote that. So I just think that a lot of people need to get around folks that's really involved in the politics and really know at the end of the day, nobody is never mad at each other. It's just all just a show just to get more views and numbers. At the end of the day, they kick back at the desk, see what's going on with policy and how much money they can get and who they can get to run for another seat to knock somebody else out so they can get a policy or legislation of some kind. Well, you know what, that's interesting because you think about the right to vote and those that's presented to the American people. And like you said, that's just uh, what's going on there. Um, not really the actual vote or the actual turnout. Um, when you think about um, African-Americans, young people, um, uh-huh. and the, 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 the uh, you know, young, young, just young people, African-Americans and teenagers who are over 18, um, and they look at our country, and they look at what's being offered. Um, I, I think they had, they, you know, even as us as African Americans, we sit back, we really look at what's really, what is really going on with our nation, what is really going on with our country. Um, I think the other day someone said, you know, our country's going to hell in a handbasket. Um, it's just so many things that has changed over the years, years over the years. And we look at the um, the um, people who have been there in the struggle um, trying to make things better for us. What, what do you think about that? Oh, you know, it's because you think about, you know, us as African Americans, what do you have to offer is one thing we can even look at. What do you have to offer us? And I think even Trump, he, he, he's so blatant. I think mm-hmm. um, he was saying, you know, uh, that the, the black people would like me more than they like Obama. You know, wow. this is a statement that, that's coming out from someone who's running for our president, you know. Wow. Um, and, and so many other different kind of statements like that. So you think about what what is it that's really going on? What do you think I about think- that? Uh, well, I just think, like I said, most of the things I, I share tonight is mainly from personal experience. But the, 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 the issue is with our young folks is they came up with a system to put young folks in power in position of our elders. So a lot of people might pass down the tools as the young folks, but they don't have an experience tools. So when they say, well, we need to vote uh 
the blacks might be like, well, we're going to vote against immigration or whatnot, or the Hispanics taking up all the jobs and so forth. But if people look at the Constitution, the 13th Constitution, it states that, you know, slave, you, you, you're not in slavery, but you only legally become a slave when you locked up. So when we talk about the gun rights in the Constitution, most of the young folks is more stuck on money in Hollywood. So when they see Donald Trump riding around in million-dollar planes and, you know, big boats and he got all this money and his father was a developer into the construction field, he'd become a big-time developer. So they just look at more as money and not the logistics and the facts. Only thing Donald Trump is pretty much just doing is PR for the Republican Party to make them relevant so more people know who the Republicans are. A lot of people know that it's a status quo. We know that he was a part of the establishment, and he want to make change. And when it comes to – go ahead. No, go ahead. Go finish. And and last question – I mean, last thing. And when it comes to the African-American women and women in general, Donald Trump was one of the, you know, fewest billionaires that hired women in top executive positions and gave them a you know, power of a lot of good positions. So when it comes to women, they idolize that because we're in the days of independence, uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey's no disrespect, but it's just it's 11 to 1. So a lot of women appeal to that because they see a man that got money, taking care of his family, got a beautiful wife, and she's, you know, attractive, and she can wear the Hollywood, you know, size 5. So they go for it. So they vote for him. Yeah, and they say, you know, he is a very, well, it's, it's evident he is a very shrewd businessman. And, uh, you know, monetarily-wise, they think that he can do a whole lot better in getting the United States out of the debt that it's in. Um, okay, we got a call on the line. Like we got Galaxy Chief on the line. Andre Ward, are you there, sir? Hey, I'm right here listening intensely. How you doing there, Brother Orlando? Hey, hey, brother, I've been praying for you. How you been feeling? Oh, man, I've had my good days and my bad days, man. But, you know, like you say in boxing, man, you you don't stop punching if, if the referee is still counting, man. So <laughs> you hey, keep man. all rolling, dude. <laughs> all right. So uh, right. Let, let me just kind of – oh, Sister Rosalind, please forgive me. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you for asking yeah, thank you very much. Um, let me just throw a, 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 one one question out here on the local level. City of Oakland, here it is. I'm pretty sure you deal with this question on a daily basis because you have boots on the ground here in, in the city. We have three major uh, sports franchises, of course, the A's, the Warriors, the Raiders, and the A's have been trying to bounce out of here for the past few years, have been able to go. The Raiders just tried bouncing, and there's some roadblocks there. And now the Warriors are going to be making an announcement tomorrow with Chase Bank of uh, the official construction of the building of the stadium in San Francisco. Here it is. We have the Coliseum area there, which is one of the best strategic locations for Sports franchises because of the location to the airport, Interstate 80, the BART system. It's just a perfect location 
to build three structures right there that would support all the teams. Now, how come the city of Oakland, ever since I've been doing development in Oakland, I've noticed that the city of Oakland has never really had a real strong real estate development mindset. And with something like this, with the weather that's here in Oakland and the availability for first-class facilities, how come it is so difficult to get it through the brains and the mindsets of the powers that be around here? And if they don't have a financial wherewithal or a mental wherewithal to package a deal like this, why don't they reach out to the private sector to structure a deal, get some Wall Street-type investment, foreign investment, and put a multi-billion dollar deal together, not only for the edification of the sports teams, but for the city itself and the general area and the tax base and to keep Oakland on the map. How come nobody in the confines of City Hall in the city of Oakland has enough brains or balls to figure this thing out? Okay. Uh, to answer your question, just to the point, see, the problem was like four or five years ago, Oakland went into agreement with Goldman Sachs. I worked on a coalition called Stop Goldman Sachs. So what Goldman Sachs did was say, Oakland, we're going to lend you some money, and the only way that you can opt out this contract or pay me this money back is you got to go to the highest bidder. So pretty much when Goldman Sachs locked Oakland into that contract, that contract buying, that means they start selling off parts of the city in bulks. So you had a real estate developer by the name of Signature, and they come in and buy like 500 houses at one time. 300 houses at two times. So when it came to the Coliseum City, I was part of that project. It, it all boils down to, like, the Super Bowl is coming up right now. The Warriors is winning. The Raiders is the hot commodity. You got a lot of these foreigners from these four countries, like India, and they're coming and putting billions and billions of dollars, and they taking over pretty much city property that they got through Goldman Sachs. So it's nothing that the city can do because it put itself in the bind to where it can't get itself out of. I also work with a guy named Robert Rayborn, and he's over the district of the Coliseum. He was part of with Larry Reed of getting the, the shadow bar transferred to the Coliseum to the uh, airport. So mm-hmm. you know, the sun, you know, to answer your question is, it's the big banks and corporations that locked Oakland in because we're the the mechanism system, because we've got the Pacific, we're close to the Port of San Francisco, Long Beach, and so forth. So a lot of the money is out here, but a lot of the big developers got so many people in their pockets. It's like, who want to speak up when the developer is giving them one and two, three million dollars? So it's hard to do it because it's more legal than anything else. So we just need to come up with the right lawyers. And when we make these proposals and issues, the lawyer don't sell don't sell us out for a piece of change just to get part of the legislation instead of getting something amended and put it in the city charter. So it sounds like bad economic and and legal 
um, wherewithal here in the city. But somebody has dropped the ball over the past several years, and now right. so they're in a position where they can't rectify some of their past uh, transgressions at this point. Right, because it's, it's like I said, when the Super Bowl, when when a lot of folks don't know, when they announced the Super Bowl in the Bay Area, a lot of folks don't understand this. With the Warriors winning, three major counties benefited. So you get Santa Clara County because they have all the techs over there. So they win a lot of money. You look at Oakland, we're in the middle, so we get the money and other money. Then you have San Francisco County where they got Twitter and all the other stuff in the city. So these three cities combine themselves. So when they need a place to live, they come where we at in the inner cities and so forth, buy up a lot of property through the, 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 the domains and redistricting and rezoning, and then you push everybody out. But it's not the fact that they push a lot of people out. When a, when a lot of folks that's coming in the city they give them Section A voucher, a low-income voucher. So a lot of people get them Section A, they want to bounce out to the valley. Not that they forced to go to the valley. They're looking at, I can get a three-bedroom home and only pay $50 a month. So a lot of people, instead of them staying there and standing their ground, they move out. And they always say the rent is too high in the Bay Area, but Oakland, you get paid twelve fifty. So if you got five people in the house working, Every month, you're going to pull in almost close to $10,000 a month. So the rent is not high. We just don't pull together. Well, let me ask you, too, this this uh, well-known mass gentrification thing now that's happening in Oakland. Um, Oakland used to be the front end of the jokes across the country, murder capital and dope and all this stuff. Now, all of a sudden, the murders are going down, the dope is going down, and it seems like uh, white folks are coming in here left and right. They're coming from everywhere, and black folks are going out and going to the outer parts of uh, maybe Antioch, Pittsburgh, Vallejo, and Stockton, and so forth. And my question here is, and now that, that, that white people have decided to come back in, and take ownership, the property values have gone sky high, gone up four, five, six hundred percent. Yeah. So let me ask you for them to do this. I mean, it, it, it had to. You have to give them credit for the end result of what has happened here in the city to come up with a plan. It seems as though that uh, a few hundred thousand people got on a conference call and said, okay, let's get in here and buy open. And not only that, let's build uh, some little small little restaurants and eateries and stuff and make sure that our people support them. And it has worked. It's been a beautiful plan. And then and if you don't know any better or if you're absent of knowledge, you're going to sit back on the sidelines and say, oh, man, white folks came in here and took up all this stuff and took over. But we could have done the same thing but we just don't have that unity. But at least they had the unity to do it. So my question is, was this sort of like a planned obsolescence type thing, where is it, uh, hey, we're just going to come in here, we're going to bum rush, and we're going to gangster and take Oakland economically 
and then we'll take over in numbers and we'll send our mud in the face, uh, arrow in the back pioneers to come in here and just start sucking it up and then we'll build businesses and we'll support those businesses and make sure that they stay strong. Am I overreacting to this or am I looking at something that has some degree of reality? Yes, you. I can to, to sum it up. Yeah, you you right on point. But see, the 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 key of it is is that when when you have a mayor that's in Oakland, when you become a mayor of, of Oakland, you go shop your city around to all these different cities and try to bring diversity. So the the problem happened was when a lot of when the murder race was always at a hundred and it was so much chaos, the people voted for it. They voted for fair housing. They voted for, you know, stop the police brutality and so forth. So when they voted for it and when the mayor went out and shopped these cities, you got all these major corporations who want to put their people in a position to where when you, like I say, you're in the Bay Area, you're the closest to everything. You have Cal Berkeley on one side. You have Stanford on the other side. You remain neutral. So when the folks never go to the city council, they never go to the city council website and see what committee is putting these policies on, when they're passing these charters and legislations and who adapting it, who behind it. When it comes to us as African-American people, we never follow up on it only until it hit the news. So every Tuesday, every Thursday, Pretty much every day the council has something going on, but we never get involved. So when you get white folks who, or Mexicans or, you know, of that genre, they get involved into the city hall. Then they go push to the city council. They tell the city council, we want a dog park. Then they write it up. They go petition to the council. They get it done. But when it comes to African-Americans, what do we ask for? Basketball courts, drug programs. Yeah, yeah. one C three. So and then it's it's also like the radio shows that, that, that you have. Nice, intelligent people, brilliant people. You talk about locally, you got celebrities, politicians, but how many African Americans are just to pick up the phone call and just call in and support, but they'll go to Instagrams and Twitter and like a picture on your Facebook. So I just think that a lot of the, the support, and even if you don't call in, you know, have a friend call in or have a neighbor. So the same thing that's happening to, like, the radio shows, that's what's happening to our community. You got a voice. You got good things going out here. But when it comes to our people, they don't accept it until there's, you know, got sex, drugs, and guns in there and or women belittling themselves, then people want to get involved. So I just think it's a re-education of our young folks and take the power from our youth and give the power back to our elders who have experience to pass down the tools and give us the right direction because they lived it. Us young folks, we ain't lived it. So we just basically going off, you know, census. It's, it's, it's not accurate. We do have one caller on the line right now. Uh, let's see who we have on the line right now. Uh, caller, give us your name and where you're calling in from. Hello. Hey, everybody, it's Barbara with Straight Talk from the Hired Rush, and I just wanted to come on and say I love the dialogue that's going on. I wanted to support uh, my sister, Lady Roz, and support T25CL, where you can go and 
have an opportunity to speak your mind. And I do agree with what the brother's saying about the city council and what's going on in Oakland. So that was yeah, my that's comment. what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you that because you're from that area as well, and I know you're uh, very well versed in what's going on politically within that area. And I know it not only does it take place there, but every major city that you can think of. But let me ask you this, uh, from your standpoint, what do you see going on politically within the, your, your area up there in Oakland? Well, what's really happening with the uh, gentrification and with the loss of property ownership with uh, African-American people and the mass exodus from properties and areas that remind us of uh, not so great times. I mean, you know, it's depressing. You know, and the city has left it in a depressing state. So if you get a better job, you got better credit, you know, you want better things for your young people. And so, therefore, we strike out, we move out, and then what's left behind are areas that in the city planning commission all of a sudden become of focus. I think what, where we are left out of the wheel. I like what the brother said about shopping Oakland to other cities and other countries is what Jean Kwan did. She shopped it to China. But I think, I think what's really happening is we're not on the city planning committee. We don't know what's happening 25 years from now, or we didn't know what was in store for us. So now we have a mayor who is quite comfortable with how she lives and where she lives and how the violence doesn't directly hit her, but we have a city where black people are targeted. Our young people and our young men and our male population is targeted for violence. And so, you know, I don't know what's going to have to happen so that white people understand that it's not their day in Oakland, but that we are reclaiming Oakland for ourselves. We have 30 and 40 and 50 year histories in a city where the ripple, the, the rent has tripled. And so it's on the wall. The handwriting is on the wall. They want us out, and um, that's what's happening in Oakland, California. Mm. Why don't you share on that, Orlando, because she made a, 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 some great points right there when you're talking about yeah. the young people and reaching that neighborhood and, and trying to find solutions. And, and, and like you say, you know, we don't come together as a people. What is stopping yeah. us? Why are, we, why are we like that? Yeah, is it, I agree is that, totally. Is yeah. Is it that mentality that you say, this is mine, 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 instead of being yeah. able to share what you have with your brother and sister? Yes, I agree with the caller right on the nail. Uh, I know Jean Kwan personally. Libby Saf is a great friend of mine. And when it came to the system, the system feel like when World War Two came and they gave us pretty much, quote, unquote, our 40 acres in the mule. We just wasn't really our original city. We just came here, hooked up with Henry J. Kaiser. Henry J. Kaiser hooked up with C.L. Belgians. He had the sleeping ports. They brought people in from Richmond and San Francisco to build on the ships, stay 12 deep in the home, work, and then get out. So the issue came down was – go ahead. No, okay, and so to sum it up, after the after the war and everything was over, 
we had everything. We had black businesses. We had black stores. We were thriving. But like I say again, when it came down to the past and the tools, a lot of us sold our property. A lot of us sold our Victorian homes, quote, unquote, for a couple of dollars. So after we sold so much property and so much infrastructure within the black community, within the black businesses, we had like Tolan's, one of the last years, no black, you know, quote, unquote, stores out here, is that when the younger kids and everybody get together, they divide it. We sell our property. That's why we lose. So that's why a lot of the, the white folks that's here that's gaining, that's doing something, a lot of their kids, they never sell none of their houses. After they did it, they sold it to a friend or a relative. So the property value keeps going on. So I just to sum it up, I just believe once we create ownership, once again, because it's going to happen, we don't sell our property. Well, you know, I want I, I wanted to say, uh, Brother Orlando, that many, mm-hmm. I, I do agree with what you're saying in regards mm-hmm. to uh, those who stepped out of their property, but there was a mm-hmm. great amount, I'd say over 60% of the residents of Oakland who no longer own property in Oakland, you know, were undermined by yeah. the bank and were undermined in such a way that because, see, Oakland, had a different kind of uh, uh, financial overview when it came to mm-hmm. the property. Residential property didn't fall, like in mm-hmm. Sacramento, Fresno, and this and that. What happened is the property values increased at a steady rate, and, I mean, that's what you want. But the mm-hmm. homes were old and needed a lot yes. of work. So they were lived-in yes. homes, and people had them for yes. 30 in 30 years, then they went and got second, you know, to do mm-hmm. some meager uh, property enhancements, while other people yeah. came and bought homes and paid cash. And so what yeah. happened with the Chinese coming in and paying cash for some of these homes, the banks decided those that foreclosed were left empty, and those that were being lived in by us were reassessed on property appraisal comps. The comps are what caused the modification, loan modification of such organizations as NACA, such organizations mm-hmm. as Wells Fargo, Countrywide, yeah. all of them profited on not giving blacks re-modifications. And then going yeah. off the comps, told them that you can no longer afford your house because guess what? When you bought it, it was 400000 but now that yeah. you're having it reassessed, it's worth 900000 because Sally sold hers for that across the street. So you're retired yeah. now, so we'll let, let us allow you to give a quick sale. You can walk out with 100000 and we'll take over the home. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So that's yes. what I'm talking about when I want to recall Libby Shaft. Because if you're not mm-hmm. representing the people and if you're not giving them protection from the financial connoisseurs out there who are, mm-hmm. are preying on our people, then you're not you're not ready for office. That's true. Uh, like I said, I ran for office twice. Uh, I ran in 2006 and I ran in 2010. I have a mentor who've been mentoring me for the last 15 years. His name is Wilson Rouse, Jr. He was a former city council member and so forth of Oakland. So 
once you understand the mechanics of a mayor, like I said again, it's not a position, it's an elective position, it's, 70, it's 17 positions that run the city, and it's 12 that offset the city. The city council is just there. So when you look at the infrastructure of the administrations of Oakland, the 17 administration positions. So if you follow those administration positions, a lot of the things that you're saying, I agree with you, but that's how you can get it solved. But a lot of the issues that's being solved is going way back 20 or 30 years from now. So when Libby get up and she try to represent a district, you got to look at the other county. You might have Lynette McAhaney in West Oakland. She might agree on certain things, but Libby came in under Jerry Brown. She was more of a Jerry Brown, you know, mentored her. She's more into real estate, developer, more police officers, but the city votes for that. So the 30% of Oakland, that's pretty much in the hills part of it, in other little sectors, they the ones make the decisions, not the mayor. The mayor just come in and just pretty much a tie voter. So if you get somebody like the city at large and Rebecca Kaplan, she like, I don't want to vote for this. Then you got to decide against Noel Gow and Desley Brooks or Larry Reed. Then it breaks it all the way down. So it's really I, never the man's fault. Go ahead. And may I yeah, ask this question? Because I hear everything that um, you and uh, my sister yeah. Barbara are sharing. Yeah. Um, and you're you both of you are so well versed in um, the political arena and the real estate and everything that's going on within the, the city of Oakland, and I'm sure that it's going on in a lot of major cities, small cities, in every city where these banks are taking over, slapping on these large uh, amounts of to be paid for rent or mortgage, and and, and as an individual. Um, even you know someone who's a layman who's not familiar with the the, the rules and the regulations of these mortgage companies and these banks that takes over. Uh, who can an individual even turn to? I know it's for a lot of people who listen to this because there's uh, a lot of friends of mine who are looking to buy homes who are first time buyers who want to buy homes in you know cities, but you know sometimes you just can't find. A good home is either a, you know a fixer upper or you know something like that because the banks came in and, and shot everything up sky high. But for representation of the people in that community, is there such a person? Because it seems like no matter how hard you try, um, you talk about big banks, you talk about large organizations where money rules. But you have your, you know, little James, little Johns, you know, little folks down there, little peons down there who's trying to make a living and trying to keep a home over their head, you know, roof over their head and trying to maintain their home. Like you're saying, people, the white people are coming into uh, into the city of Oakland. The black folks are moving out. Um, what, is there anyone that you can think of that, that you can even – Say, you know what, I'm on your side. I'm going to fight for you to, you know, to help the cats come off. Are there individuals that in cities that are able to make a maneuver to say, now we're going to make this change and these banks are not going to come in here and do what they're going to, what they look to do within your community, within your home, within your family? Yes, I believe you know, it's, it's, I, Go ahead. 
I'll let, let go ahead. That Barbara answers. I'm going to go to yeah, uh, go uh, and then um, on under. Go ahead, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, what I what I've noticed, and I just want to just share this from a uh, 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 just an observation standpoint. It just uh-huh. seems that we, you know, I just found myself, you know, after the recent loss of my uncle, sitting at the table with maybe seven or eight homeowners, yeah. and uh, they owned some in Brentwood, some in Antioch, some in Oakland, some in L.A., some in different parts mm-hmm. of L.A., you know, from all over. And it was very interesting to listen to everybody sit there, and each mm-hmm. one has had their own issues with the government not protecting them from real estate predators and this predatory um, um, uh, uh, thing that has been happening for the five or six or seven years. Now, you had half of the people who survived it, and the other half were very quiet. And you know what that told me? The, the, the yeah. bunch that were very quiet are still in the pit. They're still in the struggle. They're still trying yeah. to modify. They're still not understanding right, really what they should be doing. And I think that's the problem, and I brought that up as we all sat there and shared food and, and shared our, our pain, I brought that up. I said, you know, we need to be able to communicate. If you and Brentwood got over and you were able to get them off of you and you saved your house and now you modified your loan, you need to feel comfortable enough to share that information with the table, with your family, with your friends. It's not, it's not, it's not a private shaming. And this is what we're working with. We're working on a shame-based kind of consciousness. So that consciousness is causing us not to really say where we're at. We're accepting what the media is saying. The media is telling us that you got a house that you couldn't afford. And that's why you're having the problem, and that's why you need to get out of your house because you knew when you got it you couldn't afford it. And that's a lie because guess what? When you pre- present a stated income, that mm. means you're a business owner. So check, yes. this, check this out. If you ain't got W-2s, that doesn't mean that you're not okay and not a, 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 and not a person who should be given a loan. And this yes. is what they're trying to let you know. They're trying to say that if you're using your tax records, if, now everybody else is doing it. But if yeah. you as a minority are using your tax records and your 1099s and your consultant fees and all the things that make up your small business, then you don't have the right to say because you can't afford it. So people are falling for this okie And I actually sat there and listened to these educated black people point their finger at one another and say, well, you know, some of the I'm just repeating what CNN said. And knowing that at the table there were a few people there who lost their home due to this mass false, uh, 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 this false propaganda. So, so you know, we first off uh, must educate ourselves. You know, when these real estate uh, moguls that are on television are flipping properties and they say they're going to be at the Hilton next weekend, sign up. What do you have to lose? go and hear somebody who's flipping, who's made a, a $50 million flipping these houses, 
Go find out. Secondly, yes. don't be so attached to these properties because, trust me, properties are liabilities. Houses are liabilities. We fall in love with these houses and we forget that they're instruments used for wealth. And that's really what it is. So buy a house. You ain't got to live there. You could be written over here. But you can flip it, gut it, and do like everybody else is doing. And thirdly, share kindly information. Don't be shame about a mistake or a miscalculation or a bad experience because everybody in that family can learn from yeah. that. So yeah. that's what I have to say about it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you, Marvin. Thank you. Go ahead, Orlando. Yeah, I agree with the caller 110%. And that's, see, the one of the issues why I say that when I worked on the Stop the Goldman Sachs Coalition, one of the things they did was it was like a pilot program, and they look at all the quote unquote people call it the hood. So when they call it the hood, they look at all these homes and then they put it as a blighted area. So this whole blighted area, now we about to come over here and buy all your property. So the one of the solution is when we're in the neighborhood, we take the hood out the neighborhood and we put the neighbor before the hood. So when it becomes a neighborhood, what I was trying to design in Oakland, that all the homeowners within the first 50, first 50 homes, they all put up $100 every year, I mean every month. So if you put up 5000 every month and you do it for a whole year, that means you'll have a pot of money within your neighborhood in your block and be like, okay, you might need some solar panel or you might need some foundation work. You might need some roofing leak. The grandmother is 90 years old. The grandkids is in their 40s and whatnot. They don't know how to go to the bank and know what's the APR loan or what's the interest loan or what's the, the hidden fee off a 30-day, you know, fixed mortgage loan. So I believe if they get more educated, like the caller said, get involved into these seminars, take the good, throw away the bad, apply what they can use to you, and then apply that to your city. Like she said, the City Planning Commission. A lot of people don't even know who chairs it. A lot of people don't know who on the board. So when you take those issues from different seminars and different opinions and you come up with a good comprehensive solution, present it to your city, and that will keep the information more informal. Mm, very good, very good. <clears throat> Andre, are you there? You want to weigh in on this topic? Oh, I'm oh. here. I'm listening to the smart people. I'm getting educated. Here. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man, they, 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 they're, way, they're way over my head. They're too sharp for me. You know what? Well, I think what I think is, um, you can relate to this, though. I mean, can, you really can relate to these, this, um, this, um, you know, banks and, and mortgage companies and everything that's really taking place within the, you know, mm-hmm. losing their homes, you know. Um, and it's something that can be shared. Like Marvel was saying, there's nothing to be ashamed of. You made a mistake or a mistake's been made to you. Uh, share it with the world so that someone else doesn't fall into that pit hole or that, you know, that, that yeah, into the pit. Um, uh, first of all, lack of knowledge of what to do um, when these type of uh, situations arise, when, you know, the mortgage company or whomever comes to you and say, hey, um, you know, you're, you need, you're losing your home for such whatever reason, and um, you think that you can't afford to fight back. 
there has to be, you know, like, you know, Bubba was saying, you know, you, you have to learn, you have to share this information so that, you know, even though you've been through the pitfall, even though you may have lost, but tell the next person who's, you know, go, maybe going through the same thing at that first stage, hey, take this step or take that step because this is what I did and it was the wrong way. Uh, well, a lot of that is fear, too. You know, our, our people, you know, we have good cases. We have great stories. We have situations that are winnable. But it's one yeah. thing about the court of justice, and you have to have money in order to prove yourself in a court of law. Courts are for people who have financial access. Lawyers do not come cheap by any means of imagination, and, and especially if you're going to go into some type of civil litigation-type matter, you know, it's, it's, there's no taking one-third on the back side. That's only for car accidents and that sort of stuff, unless you have one hell of a case that a lawyer will get involved with. And so this is what happens to a lot of our people because they don't know the due process of civil litigation. You think that, oh, I think i got a great story, so I'm just going to go and jump up and down in court. No, these people have different ways of, of battling these type of issues with court histories, legal maneuvers, and, and as soon as you think you have the answer, they'll change the question on you. But if you have the financial wherewithal, you can you can hang in there with them and you can probably prevail or at least you can get them into a corner where they don't want to keep spending costs either, and you can negotiate some degree of a fair settlement so that it's equitable to both sides. And so I can really elaborate on this because I've been dealing with an issue for the past three years in civil litigation. I've gone up against 12 lawyers. I've been in five different courts in front of five different judges and against major banks and kicking behind the whole way along. But, it, you know, but if you're skilled in those areas, you can defend yourself. And, but I don't recommend anybody doing anything like that unless you, you know what time it is when you start dealing with these <laughs> Yeah, you, you have to be a Perry Mason when you're going into court of law. I wanted to say something. I, 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 let me identify myself again. I, I'm Barbara, and with uh, Straight Talk, you know, we come on Tuesdays. I'm part of the Teachers by CL family. And, yeah, absolutely. I've observed Andre, uh, you know, fight that, that battle. And it was exhausting. And not only was it exhausting, but it, it took uh, on to his health. But the interesting thing about how we purchase and what we think about and how we get consultations on what we buy, you know, um, we should not be trying to get out there and buy a home to live in. We should be trying to buy a fourplex or a sixplex. We should be betting together with other brothers and sisters. And, you know, we, I stay in one, you stay in one, Rod, one, and we have four people rent from us. You know, if you've got a good enough friend, you ought to have a good enough in. And that's what I say. Take that friend yeah. and make it an in. Bind yourself together and buy some income property. That's what we've got to do. We've got to start paying rent to each other so that we can create, as Orlando said, a, a neighborhood, a neighborhood that, that is supportive of one another, that is kind to one another, that produces 
positivity for one another. Stop paying this rent to these corporations who tell you next month we're going to triple your rent. I mean, this is what we got to get out of. And then secondly, we got to not be afraid to stand up. Even if you don't know what the civil litigation process is, go sit in court and find out. Like Andre educated himself, that's what we're all needing to do. We need to go in there and see what works. Notate everything. Keep documentation. Have a file of every situation in your life and be able to pull out your day planner and say, no, no, this is what really happened. Prove yourself. Document, write down, diary, keep papers, keep good records because that's what wins lawsuits in the end. And remember, folks, you heard it from your girl. Stay in modification. When one says they can't do it, start up the next one the next day, and they can never take your property as long as you're, as you're in the modification process in some way, shape, or form. Oh, very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've been here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio here at Roswell's Corner. And, you know, it's been a great topic. I know it's been really an open forum tonight covering covering different areas, but I think we really hit on the uh, hit the nail on the head when we, when we open up these can of worms. We talk about property and, and communities and coming together as one, as a people, first of all, uh, coming together as one to try and help one another out, to, to come together as a family. I think that's one main thing that we're, that we're lacking is that we need to come together and unify, unify. That is one key uh, uh, word that we need to put in our minds, put in our heads to unify to benefit one another. I think we need to be selfless and just continue to be um, 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 unified in what we're doing and in our efforts. Um, but before we close out the show tonight, I'm just going to give everybody, you know, some last last pointers of what's going on. But I just want to mention that, yes, we do have my friend Barbara McGee on, on Straight Talk with the, uh, from the Higher Brush on Tuesdays. She has a great show. We have uh, Lorenzo Elvis Murphy, who is on Mondays uh, with Compton Politics. And, of course, we are getting ready to start a new show with Dr. Quaco. Uh, and Corey Jeffries, which will be starting on the 4th, which is on a Thursday night. So everybody just tune in and, you know, look to support them as well. Um, but before I go, um, I want to thank Orlando, my sister Barbara, and, of course, uh, Andre Gelsey, Chief Ward, for being on tonight. Um, but, uh, Orlando, you have any last parting words for our, our listeners tonight? I want to say I thank Andre and yourself and the caller for just a wonderful show. I got educated. I think that's what it's all about. By me being a younger person on the panel, I think I gained a lot to empower myself with the knowledge and wisdom and the tools y'all giving me so I could pass them to other younger folks that's in the neighborhood and get more folks to call and participate and also send some donations in because you can't do it off air and water. We still got bills to pay. So we need to come together and make it happen and continue this so my grandkids could be watching the show or listening to it. Exactly. Thank you, Orlando. Okay, my sister Barbara, you have any last comments for my show tonight? Well, you know what? I just wanted to let everybody know, yeah, you're right, on uh, Wednesdays at 7.30, straight talk from the hired brush, myself, 
celebrity makeup artist, and uh, uh, Rodney Best, who is a wealth expert, uh, will be coming to you with various things, but I want to take this moment to give a very, very special shout-out to a very beautiful lady. Her name is Rosalind Jordan Mills. And let me tell you something. We had an emergency in our family, and she showed up and showed out. Not only does she have a wonderful singing voice, but you can purchase her CD right on www.t25cl.com. So I'm asking you guys, callers, listeners, and uh, just friends of the show, go on and check out Rosalind's music. She's certainly edified our family, and we want to take this moment to thank you publicly. We love you, and thank you, T25CL. Love you too, Barbara. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was really an honor. It was really an honor to to be able to minister to your family. It really was. All right, well, Chief. We, thank you. Yeah. Did we do it, Chief? Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm just listening to all you smart people, boy. I'm getting my education in there. Yeah, <laughs> For sure, and it's always a pleasure to have Brother Orlando on the show, and he definitely hit some key points there at the end. And and it's one thing I want to say in in conjunction with that, you know, with supporting uh, us here at T25CL and what they're doing. Of course, yes, it takes money to keep this thing going, and we've been self-funded along the way, so we're not a nonprofit organization. So what we have for right now is just a few products. We have about 18, 19 artists on our website. And if our people would just come in and support and, and download one of our CDs and, or just look at our couple of films that we have right here and, and then just come in and support us here uh, on these uh, radio talk shows. See, we don't have to come up with some brand new, uh, grandiose, economic scheme, all we have to do is just do what they're doing and what we have at our disposal. I mean, they got uh, a little restaurant down there on 40th Street. All they sell is macaroni and cheese, and the white folks line up around the corner <laughs> to get some dead gum macaroni and cheese, but they're supporting their, their, their brother. They got another one up there on 51st and Telegraph. All they're selling over there is chicken sandwiches. They lined up all the way down there to the bank on the next corner every day to get a chicken sandwich. But you know what they're doing? They're supporting their brother. Now, what would happen if we got out here and got a little small joint and just start selling some chicken or some turkey or some fish or something? Our, our people wouldn't support it. Well, they wouldn't don't come in there and like, hey, man, give me a wing or something, man, and I'll catch you later. And then they say, you know, we can't pay the rent, can't pay the employees. Now we're out of this, out of that. And all we have to do is do what they do and just be black about it and convert to black to green, the green is economic development. And once you start getting economic development, you'll get political power. And therefore, the politicians will respect you. When uh, the president comes through, Hillary comes through, they go all the way over here to Los Gatos, Atherton, and all that stuff and go into the, into the rich folks' home. But they don't come out here on the east side or the west side and eat some cornbread and rice with some brothers. They don't do no mess like that. They go where the money is and charge them a couple thousand dollars a place. And, and yeah. so we have to just emulate what they're doing and this is where unity comes in. 
is when we start an economic base. The economic base converts to a political base, and then we will get the power. But as long as we out here post suffering, struggling, losing this, losing that, not getting anywhere, the politicians don't have to deal with you. Nobody has to deal with you because you don't register at all. But if we start doing something, we can start it right here at T25CL. It, it, this is the place to go. We will build it up from here, I promise you, and watch and see what's going to happen and where we're going to be going in the future. So I thank you, Sister Rosalind. I thank you, I thank you Brother or, or, Orlando. And I definitely thank my great sister there, Barbara McGee, and all the radio hosts that we have. And let's just keep this thing going. Let's pass the word out there about T2VICL and all the things that we're doing. And let's get the support of the people. Because once we start generating revenue here, it's not going to our Rolls Royce fund. It's going to hire our people so that we can have self, self-determination and employment. And we'll do it right here at T25CL. I'll be quiet for now because I know they're getting ready to shut me off. So we'll, we'll take <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank Amen. you so much. I appreciate it, uh, Chief. Uh, very you're also very articulate, so you are very well educated, my brother, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but we yeah. want to thank everyone for coming on tonight. Uh, thank you, Orlando. Thank you, sister. And we just want to tell everyone out there, listen, go to our shows, come to our shows Tuesday night, um, our great sister Barbara, and Monday nights, and of course, the shows are coming up on Thursday. The, uh, uh, Please support all the independent artists. The music is on our website at www.t25cl.com. And look, just buy the great music. It starts with each one reaching one. So without further ado, I want to thank everyone for joining me tonight. Of course, it's always been a very interesting and great night. You know, nobody nobody knows what's going to happen uh, sometimes. But, you know, when it's open forum, man, Everybody shows up. So we want to thank everyone for coming on tonight. Of course, everyone, this show has been recorded. You can go back and listen to it because you're going to get some nuggets out of this show. Trust me. All right? So we want to just thank everyone. And everyone, have a great good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.